Hi, and welcome to the Irana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message from Pastor Clinton Montgomery brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Irana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you so much to the band. We're going to go into our sermon. Um, just thinking about it the last uh, few uh, days, just this is our last exclusive online service. From next week, we'll be gathering live um, for a group of us. And um, on the 19th of July, trusting that we will resume our normal Arana gathered services with our Arana online and our Arana at home services. So we're looking forward to this. But I don't want to miss the moment where we uh, just want to take just a few seconds to reflect on this season. From the mid- middle of March right up till now, we've been an, in an incredible time. And for some of us, it's been good. For some of us, it's been really challenging. And we're hoping that you um, have found a way to discover that God is in the moment with you, that He didn't disengage. He wasn't absent. There was no delay in His presence. God was with you. And it's in times like these where, where prayer becomes central to our thinking. Now, those of you who's, who's been journeying with us over the last few weeks would know that we're in part five of our series, Red Letter Prayers. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been reflecting on, on some of the prayers and some of the thoughts Jesus had when it comes to prayer. We started off by saying that um, Jesus taught us in, um, in the Gospels just how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, where the prayer that Jesus showed us actually connects us to the greatness of God, shows us what it means to surrender, and actually invites God to, to provide and protect um, in, in, in specific ways. We also talked about the way that the name of Jesus is something that we pray, pray for, but also we pray in. And in those moments, prayer is something that we're becoming as much as something that we're praying. Brent spoke about the fact that there are times in prayer where we have to pray, God, your will be done, not mine. But at the same time, we've got to consider that there are moments where we feel, God, can you take this cup away from me? And that's, um, I think, in those tension-filled, those crisis moments where we've got to consider that God is more than we have ever considered. And, and AJ spoke on John 17 last week, just inviting us into the prayer of Jesus over our life. Now today, I want to take a few moments just to reflect on on a specific kind of prayer, the kind of prayer that we've all had to pray at some point or another. The question is, what do we do and how do we pray when we hit one of those once-in-a-lifetime crisis moments where we, we need so much more than just our wisdom and our experience? The question is, what do we need to do and what do we need to understand about prayer when the only option available is prayer because we've exhausted all other options? I remember a funny story uh, many years ago when we played indoor cricket where um, we had a specific sponsor and one of the arrangements with that sponsor was that, that he wanted to play at least one game for us. 
So we had a look at our league and we had, had a look at the fixtures and, and in um, one of the fixtures we realized that we could beat these, this, this team with a type B player. Um, and uh, we invited him, he went into bat first for um, our team and I still remember when he took his stance, now those, those of you who know cricket would know that if a person takes um, his batting stance in a specific way, you know that they can't play cricket. And the guy sitting next, next to me, his name was Carlos, sat next to me, and um, as soon as this guy took his stance, he just sat there and said, God help. The fact is he didn't, um, and it was quite a difficult experience trying to navigate that game with him. But most of us have been in those situations where we knew that what we're facing at the moment feels way bigger than us. Just, um, it seems to almost belittle us. And it's in times like those, where we don't just need to pray about a situation. We need a, the kind of prayer that does something to the situation. And we've had a few definitions of prayer. Basically, prayer is, is intimacy. Prayer is this invitation into a relationship with God. But I sort of wondered in this week while preparing, what if prayer is so much more than just the words that we bring to God? See, so many times we, we struggle with that feeling. We struggle with that sense that what do I say to God, thinking that prayer is all about the words that I'm bringing to Him. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk to God because there's such an important part of us exploring our relationship with Him and just exploring the journey we have with Him. And in my prep, I um, um, came across a definition from someone called Ralph Martin in his book, um, the, the Fulfillment of All Desires. And he made this comment. He says, prayer is at its root, simply paying attention to God. See, there's something beautiful in that moment where prayer is becoming aware of God's presence, becoming aware of the one who is so much bigger than me, so much different than me. Prayer is me stepping into that moment, understanding that it's not my words, but his ability that could shift, shift things. Now, this sounds crazy because when we're in a whirlwind, where paying attention to God seems so difficult, how do we respond to that? And how do we react to that when we're caught up in the emotion of the crisis and the experience that we're currently navigating? Now, I want to take you to a, a verse in Mark chapter 9. Such a beautiful story that just shows um, our understanding um, of prayer compared to what Jesus sees when he thinks of prayer. So I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to read it on the screen and just reflect on some of the concepts that we see in this beautiful story. It starts by saying in verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the, the, the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and they were running to him. Um, and as they ran to him, they greeted him, and he asked the scribes, what are you discuss discussing with him? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes so rigid 
So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So that's the background to the story. Just before that, Jesus actually um, had the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, that incredible experience um, on the mountain, and they came to, to this. So it's in this moment where they encounter a father that brought his son um, to, for healing, and in that moment, the disciples didn't have the capacity to heal um, the young boy. So we see three things there. We see a helpless boy, a hopeless father, and powerless disciples. A helpless boy, a hopeless father, and powerless disciples. Now, Jesus responds to this in Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 14, where he answered him, Jesus answering the father, and said, O faithless generation. Now, that's such a strong comment from Jesus. Looking at the situation where the disciples didn't have the capacity to heal this young boy, and Jesus' first response was, you faithless generation. And then he says two very interesting things. He says, how long will I be with you, and how long shall I bear with you? Two things. How long will I be with you, and how long will I bear with you? Now, this is almost said in frustration, where Jesus says, hey, guys, come on. Why can't you see the ability? Why can't you tap into the ability that I've given you? And it's as if Jesus is actually pointing towards the fact that when he taught us how to pray, he starts with our Father. And that says so much about our relationship, our identity, and our capacity, that we have the same capacity, the same identity as Christ. And Jesus says, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? How long do I need to be the crutch that you fall onto in moments like this without realizing and without recognizing that I have transformed you? I have renewed you. I've given you the authority to actually speak to these demons and chase them out. So it's in that that they brought him, the young boy, to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, obviously, this is a shocking experience for a dad to see. So Jesus asked his father in verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Verse 22 says, and, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So obviously this spirit was, was bent on destroying and killing this young boy. And then the dad says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now I reckon some of you listening today need to hear this. You've been challenged by stuff for a long, long time. Maybe you feel like this father and this young boy that it's been an ongoing situation that's never changed. And you've lost the ability to hope. You've lost your power. You feel helpless in this moment. And I want to say to you today that God um, is compassionate. That's the story of the cross. God is the one that is willing to help. Even if you feel that you don't have control over the situation. And maybe you're like the dad today just saying, God, if you have compassion, help. Well, I want to tell you that God has compassion and God is willing. Listen to what Jesus says. It says in verse 23, If you 
can believe. Now, this is so important. Um, that Jesus doesn't say to him, if you can do this. He says, if you can believe, if you can fixate yourself on my ability and not your inability. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Even if you feel helpless, hopeless, or powerless, if you can believe, that's the ability to see God in the midst of this, the ability to see God's capacity and not to focus on your own helplessness, your own hopelessness, or your own powerlessness. Now, something beautiful happens in that moment. In verse 24, the Bible says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's those words. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know what's interesting? That before Jesus healed the young boy, he actually healed the father. Before Jesus healed the young boy um, and cast out the demon, God, uh, Jesus actually addressed the unbelief in the heart of the father. And maybe that's something that some of us need to hear. That you're not trusting God for a specific healing per se, but you've been stuck in not believing, in not trusting, in not having faith for a specific situation. And because you've been stuck there, you couldn't become the conduit, sort of the vessel that God wanted to use to bring healing to others around you. And just realizing that, that in the story, there's a young boy that needed healing, but there's also a father that had to be healed from unbelief, had to be shown just the capacity of what God made available through his son. Just that prayer, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's understanding that our unbelief could be our greatest limitation. That us moving forward, if we're stuck in unbelief, it could become such a big limiter. Now Jesus obviously takes it further in verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And obviously, with the authority that Jesus carried as Son of God, the Spirit cried out, convulsed um, him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one as dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took the young boy by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house with his disciples, suddenly there's a third group of people that realize that they need to consider their contribution from a completely different perspective. His disciples took Jesus aside into the house and they said, why could we not cast it out? Now this is, this is special um, and important for us to, to see because it's a big moment of reflection. Such a, such a critical moment of reflection where we realize that Jesus was dealing with the Father in terms of his unbelief, he was dealing with the boy that needed healing, but he's also dealing with the disciples that needed perspective and a greater understanding of the spiritual dynamics at work in situations like this. See, the disciples had experiences previously. Mark 3 verse 15 said, Jesus gave them the power to heal all sickness and cast out demons. 
So they had experiences. Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, speaks about the fact that Jesus sent them into towns and villages, and they healed many people. And suddenly they came across this young boy, and all of them together couldn't do anything. So much so that the scribes and Pharisees actually encountered them in a conversation, and it became a very strong theological debate. But there was something different at work in that, in that moment. It wasn't just something that needed to be rationalized um, as we sometimes do. I think we rationalize sickness as part of God's plan for our lives just because we don't have the capacity to heal. And I sort of think in that conversation between the scribes and the disciples, there was a lot of rationalizing going on. And can I just say, we know, we know that God uses anything. But there's times where we, I think, almost unfairly rationalize sickness into the will of God. Not because God can't do anything about it, but because we don't understand the principles at work that is manifesting itself in that specific situation. So Jesus comes in verse 29, and he responds to this. And this was probably um, a verse that struck me from the beginning of COVID, um, a verse that really spoke very deeply to me. Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Most translations leave out the concept of fasting. This kind. It's as if Jesus is saying that this is a crisis in a category category all by itself. And we've all had those moments where, where we sort of enter into a crisis or into an experience or into a challenge where we feel that we, um, our experience, our wisdom, everything we've had to draw on doesn't count anything. It has no effect on it. And for many people, COVID-19 was a this kind crisis where the uncertainty and the difficulty created all sorts of problems. Um, I was in a, a Zoom meeting this week with uh, Tim Hanna, the um, former CEO of Compassion, just listening to him talk to a bunch of pastors. And he made such an interesting comment. He said, um, there's a very interesting shift happening in the church world where change normally took three to four generations before change actually w w became solidified in culture. But now we're seeing three to four changes in a generation. And for many people, it's a difficult thing to adapt to because of the uncertainty and the crisis um, that uh, the change brings. But the question that I want to ask you is, are you in a this kind moment where you feel completely unprepared and completely unequipped to deal with this? Well, Jesus doesn't make it easier. In um, verse 29, he says, this kind can come out by nothing. <laughs> So Jesus says, this kind, it's a crisis in its own category. It can come out by nothing. Your successes, your experiences, everything that you've done in the past means almost nothing in moments like these. They have no effect. And that sort of feeds into this helpless, hopeless, and powerless experience. But Jesus says, this kind, this crisis can come out by nothing except by prayer. That's interesting, that word prayer speaks about an exchange between God and us. And again, I want to say, it's almost, um, 
It's almost sorry when our only definition of prayer is a definition where we're exchanging words to God. Where when Jesus speaks of prayer, he speaks of an exchange that comes from God to us. See, prayer assumes a div divine exchange between us and God, where something actually happens to us in those moments where we, be we, where we become attentive to his presence and his ability and just the greatness of who he actually is. Just listen to what Romans 8 verse 24 to 25 says. It says, all around us, right across the world, we observe a pregnant creation. I want to say <laughs> it's never been clearer that the world needs the revelation of a Savior. <laughs> we can see it. Paul continues, he says, the difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs because these sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. We know that we've been created for so much more. But then he says, that's why waiting doesn't diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. The more we focus our attention on God, it actually enlarges us. And in the enlarge, enlargement of our lives, the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. I reckon that's why we need God's perspective in moments, in this kind moments. Why we need to consider that there could be so much more at play and to be so careful not to rationalize everything into, oh, this experience is just another God's will experience because God is teaching me something. I firmly believe that God has the ability to miraculously intervene on your behalf in critical moments. And that question, if you can believe, all things are possible. I believe that's exactly what this kind moments brings to us. The awareness that we need a divine exchange. We need God's fullness. We need God's deliverance. We need God's ability to raise the dead and to create something out of nothing. So today, I want to ask you, if you're feeling helpless, maybe you're like the boy and everything has been tried and you're helpless. You don't know what to do. Or you're like the father in a place of complete hopelessness where you know the journey that your son has gone through or the situation that's confronting you. Could be your marriage, could be your business, your finances, could be a critical relationship, could be your mental health and you've lost hope. You just can't see the future or you're like the disciples where you knew in past you could do something about situations like this, but suddenly there's the sense of powerlessness. Jesus says this kind can come out by nothing except through an exchange between God and us. I want to ask you, maybe in this moment you're at that place, you feel helpless, you feel hopeless, and you feel powerless. Maybe at this moment you want to just raise your hands. Just say, God, I want to place 
and focus my attention on you. I want to become aware of who you are, your greatness. Lord, I just want to surrender my will to you and I want to trust you to provide and to protect and just to be the one that enables me to live the life that you've called me to. I want to ask you to to focus your attention on God. To move the crisis or the challenge just to the side and just to become aware of a God that is not distant, a God that is close by. In this moment, I just have a sense that God says that His gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, the gifts of God's Word actually bringing clarity to your situation is available to you right now. I want to pray for you and I want to trust that God would just step into your moment. That God would intervene on your behalf. That a divine exchange would take place and you would realize that nothing that you tried had an effect. But God, with Him, all things are possible. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I come and I speak to every person sitting in front of a screen today's this kind moment, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that, that these moments are moments where you want to show us that even though we are stuck in our helplessness or our hopelessness or our powerlessness, Lord, that you can intervene on our behalf. And Lord, just as you healed the boy, just as you broke the power of unbelief of the Father, and just as you gave the disciples a new perspective of the spiritual dynamics in play in different situations, so I want to pray that you would intervene on every person listening to the sermons today's lives, Lord. Give them the awareness that this is a this kind moment, but you are willing to intervene on their behalf. That this kind comes out by nothing except a divine exchange between God and us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.